You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Morning, everyone. Great to be back uh, preaching at home base. And um, I get to talk about the best sport um, on the planet today, baseball. And... um, I mean, you can't like cricket. You can only love it, right? I mean, it's such a beautiful game. Cricket is a beautiful game. Who, um, who loves cricket here? Put your hand up. There's a few of us. I'm going to make... I, the, my message is really simple, so I, but I do talk a bit about cricket, quite a lot about cricket, but um, I'll explain it as we go. So <clears throat> you got, you, you're, you're going to um, uh, learn a lot about cricket today. So today, what I want to talk a bit about is lessons from my cricket coach. And I was gonna fully pad up this morning, put my helmet on and my gloves are on, but not my pads and so on because apparently the AC wasn't perhaps working. I was gonna get um, Pastor Steve up to check out um, whether he can catch a ball. Apparently he was a a wicket keeper back in his glory days. Um, But let's, let's, we we now live vicariously through our our sons. My son is playing cricket um, today. Um, So, lessons from my cricket coach. And look, it's been a great summer of cricket. Gosh, the, the black caps are absolutely. take my glove off here. The black caps are absolutely um, having a stunning summer. I mean, you've got Kane Williamson becoming one of the greatest batsmen of all time, and Kyle Jamieson picking up ten wickets um, against the Pakistanis down at the. the we, we, uh, Connor and I, my fourteen-year-old, we went down to um, Bay Oval, it's, uh, down there at the Mount. Such a great place to watch cricket. Much better than Eden Park when you're, you're miles away. By the way, I nearly caught um, in one of the T20s. Um, uh, um, oh my gosh, his name is just escaping me, but um, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Neesham hit a six, two overs before the end of the game, and was coming towards me, and there's an elderly lady sitting next door to me, and I reached out, I've got this on slow-mo, because my friend's got Sky TV, and he's showing me, reaching out to get the ball, and I, ju- I saved her, because the ball was going for her face, and I caught it, just as I was reaching out, bent my fingers back. My son, my son Connie's, oh, dad, just so noobs. He should have fully, really, you know, protected her and caught it properly and stuff. But I protected her as the ball bounced away and this kind of really drunk guy came hurtling for me. Um, but uh, the third Duke of Dorchester in the Ladies and Gentlemen's Magazine, cricket's a very poncy sport, 1777, said, what is life but a game of cricket? What is life but a game of cricket? So this morning I've entitled my message, Lessons from My Cricket Coach, and I'm going to ask kind of this broad question. What kind of innings will you build in 2021? What kind of innings? So the innings is the batsmen scoring runs. What type of innings will you build in 2021? We're going to take some risky shots, hit some fours, hit some sixes. Maybe you're going to build a more methodical innings, you know, more like a test match innings. Maybe you're a T20 type type person. You know, you love just getting out there and smashing it and making big decisions in life. Um, Others that, you know, tend to play the methodical game and, and build a solid innings, like a test match. Um, the question I have for you this morning is, what kind of innings will you build in 2021? What is life but a game of cricket? And you're going ha- to face a whole lot of balls this year. We don't know what life is going to, you know, pitch up or throw at us or bowl at us this year. But, you know, God, help me to play, help me to play those, those balls. Whatever comes my way, help me to, to choose the right shot to play. Help me with my shot selection this year. Help me to build a great innings this year. And I'm going to walk us through Romans chapter 12 today. And I'm going to tie this into lessons from my kicker coach. So we'll talk about Romans chapter 12. But before I talk about Romans um, chapter 12, I want to just mention a few background comments about the book of Romans. And that is, it was written by Paul the Apostle. 
and it was written when he was in Corinth. It was about the year 56 AD, and when Paul, um, Paul wrote the book of Romans. And he wrote it to the church in Rome, which wasn't a church kind of yet. It wasn't, the church hadn't actually been planted. It was a bunch of small groups, if you like, who were meeting regularly together. And he wanted to write the book of Romans for three reasons. One, he wanted to teach these new believers. Primarily, they were people who had just become followers of Christ, Gentiles um, who had just become followers of Christ. And he wanted to talk to them about what are the core Christian doctrines. One, what, what do Christians believe? Two, what is the gospel? When people say, what is the gospel? What is the good news? Paul sets that out in the book of Romans. And three, he wanted to tell the people in the church in Rome, he wanted to tell them, what does the Christian life look like? You know, people say, what does this Christian life look like? Well, he talks through these three topics in the book of uh, Romans. So Romans, if you like, the first... Romans has got 16 chapters in it. The first 11 chapters in the book of Romans are all about doctrine, what we believe, and the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the good news? Romans chapter 12 through to 16 is all about what the Christian life looks like. And so we need to be people who know what we believe, know why we believe it, but also what does this Christian life actually look like in practical reality? So if you have a Bible this morning or you've got an app, um, and also um, if you're online, welcome as well. We're going to Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read the entire chapter for us this morning in my um, acting voice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For the, by, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Verse nine, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, and do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do, as right, to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wealth. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What a great chapter, Romans chapter and I'm going to talk us through four lessons from my cricket coach. And I want you to kind of 
build this analogy, this idea today that Paul is like a coach. He's trying to coach the church in Rome. What does this Christian life look like? Opening up with Romans chapter 12 onwards. And the first lesson, if you've got your app with you today, is remember, catches when matches. Catches when matches. So you can watch a great batsman like Kane Williamson, he goes to build a great innings. You know, a batsman might go on to get 100 runs, maybe a century, maybe 110, 120, a great innings. But sometimes what happens is when that batsman was maybe only on 11 runs, maybe he popped it up for an absolute sitter and it went out and the guy dropped it. And after the game, there'll be some commentary where the commentators will say, you know, that moment turned the game. When that fieldsman dropped the catch, it turned the game because that batsman who went, went on to get 110 runs, he should have got out. That was an easy catch. And so cricketers coined the phrase, catches win matches. In other words, do the basics well. You can be a top batsman, you can be a great bowler, but if you can't catch a ball, it's problematic. And you know, one of the, the Pakistani team, they played brilliant cricket, batting and bowling, but they were hopeless in the field. No disrespect. But they dropped so many catches. Some of the Kiwi batsmen who went on to score good runs, like Kane Williamson, for example, they were, they, they were dropped early on in their innings. Do the basics well. So the question this morning is, what does that mean for the Christian life? What are the, what's the, what are the basics of the Christian life, if you like? Well, Paul talks about it in Romans 9 to 21. So Romans, sorry, chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. If people say, what does the Christian life look like? Well, Paul beautifully points it out and sets it out in verses 9 to 21. It's like this giant Subway sandwich full of goodness. There is so much in those few verses. You could meditate on Romans 9 to 21 for just this year, 2021, and say, God, help me permeate this through my life. And it would bring change and growth in all of our lives. Let me summarize Romans chapter 12, 9 to 21. Be devoted to one another in love. That's challenging before we even really <laughs> warm up. Honor one another above yourselves. This is what the Christian life looks like. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Practice hospitality. That was challenging for me. I thought, man, I'm not a, am I a very hospitable person? I'm not. That was challenging for me when I was meditating and reading this passage. Bless those who persecute you. That includes my wife. Um, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. You see, the thing is about Romans, if I can just get this through, this is such a key point, is it's about doctrine. And some people say, oh, it's, you know, Romans is all about the doctrine and what we, what, we, what we believe. But the beautiful thing is, this is so practical, this stuff. Romans is about also, what does the Christian life look like? It's really... Um, such a challenging passage, and do not repay evil for evil. Be, do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of lower position. Um, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There is a great book on Christian discipleship, which if you get a chance to read it, I encourage you. It's called You Are What You Love, and it's by James Smith. And he challenges these assumptions about what is Christian discipleship. Because he says that in Western culture, we start with a philosophical assumption is we are what we think. We are what we think. Descrates, the famous philosopher, said, I think, therefore, I am. And so, therefore, we think Christian discipleship means acquiring more knowledge, acquiring more information, because we are what we think. But he challenges this assumption and says, he argues, we are what we love. 
We are what we love. Therefore, discipleship is not so much about just acquiring more information and knowledge. We should obviously grow in our faith and learn. But it's letting our loves and our desires be shaped by God. Discipleship means letting your loves, what you love and what you desire in life be shaped by God. We are what we love. And so, yes, Romans is about core doctrines and the gospel and the good news. But it's also about when you get to Romans 12, you're challenged because suddenly Paul says, are you going to let your love and desires be shaped by God? What kind of person am I becoming in 2021? Joyful in hope, faithful in prayer? The underlying question of discipleship is, what kind of person am I becoming? Secondly, walk in with the bowler. Walk in with the bowler. That's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you watch a T20 game, the batsman, uh, sorry, the bowler's running in from his mark. They're running in. And as you do, the, all, all fielders are walking in with the bowler because they're trying to be alert, mentally alert, because they don't know where the ball's going to go. You can't stand there and just look at the cloud formations and just kind of daydream and just think about lunch and what's happening. You can if you're a midget cricket up at Hart Pack on a Friday night at Lloyd Ellsmore. But generally speaking, if you're paid to play cricket, you need to be a bit more active than that. Um, so professional cricketers, you're walking in with the bowler. When I was playing cricket back in my glory, glory, glory days, um, the coach would always shout from the sideline, walk in with the bowler, because you need to be mentally alert and physically alert. And so you're always walking with the bowler, alert. And so Paul says we need to have an alert mindset. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, he talks about two types of mindsets. He said you can be conformed to the pattern of this world, you can let your mind be shaped by the cultural values of the day, or you can let your mind be shaped by God's mercy. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but, there's a huge but, B-U-T, right there, but in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. I love this, in view of God's mercy. And I was thinking, have you ever, you know, um, been to like the the top of a hill or or, or a mountain or you've been down the beach, maybe at dusk or dawn or, and you see a beautiful view. You know, if you see a beautiful view, you can kind of capture it in your mind's eye and you can remember it and replay it. That's the power of the human mind. We can hold a view in our mind and replay it, um, you know, further down the track. Well, one of the most beautiful views for me personally was when I was, for my 40th birthday two years ago, I went with my dad to Israel on a spiritual kind of pilgrimage, and we, went, we were staying at the Sea of Galilee at this hotel, and I was very jet-lagged at the time, so I was getting up at kind of four in the morning, and I would go up to have my breakfast up at the hotel, and it looked out right across the Sea of Galilee, and as the sun kind of came out, um, came up and, you know, shone across the Sea of Galilee, I just, it was, it was an incredible moment, you know, as I was kind of reflecting on Jesus and the moments when he would have walked along the shores there and talked to his disciples and, and, and so on. And that view, even as I preach now, I can still remember myself sitting, having breakfast, looking out with my Bible and just kind of reflecting on, on Jesus and the Sea of Galilee. And so Paul is saying, never lose sight of God's mercy. If we need a view of anything in life, we need a view of God's mercy. To look back, Paul says, in in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. I worship you, God, because of what you've done. Not because I am told to, but when I capture a view of your mercy, God, I want to give you my my life. We lose sight of God's mercy sometimes, don't we? You know, like God's mercy becomes dim in our lives. God's mercy becomes blocked. It just becomes kind of distracting. But, you know, my prayer as I go into 2021 to not let 
kind of to not let go of that view of God's mercy. And so this walking in with the bowler is this idea of having an alert mindset, alert to God's mercy, if you like, to never lose sight of it, to be actively and alert. God, may I never lose sight of that. Thirdly, accept your place in the batting order. There's a lot of dad politics in cricket. Let's face it. Now, my dad wasn't a huge cricketing man. In fact, when I played for the reps, I played rep cricket. I remember my mum and dad taking me over at the Harbour Bridge because I grew up on the shores, going over to Lloyd Ellsmore to play in the Milo cricket, cricket tournament back in my glory days. And I remember my dad and mum saying, Simon, I can't believe you're that good that you got into the reps. <sighs> I need some counselling, eh, um, for that. And... Um, and so my dad used to drop me the cricket, and I used to advocate for myself, right? Because what happens is the coach gives you the batting order. And you want to be number one or number two, right? You, want to be, you don't want to be batting number 10 or 11 right at the end. And so the dads would come up to the coach. Well, do you know my son is the next Kane Williamson? Do you know he's got a great batting average, and he really should be higher up the batting order? And so, there's a lot of these. And so I used to advocate for myself. That's why I'm a good lawyer, actually, I think. Um, my dad wasn't around. Um, and, um, and, uh, and the coach would say, you know what? You need to tell your son to accept his place in the batting order. And what, that is so true in life. Paul, in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8, he talks about the gifts, right? He talks about um, if your gift is leadership, use it. If your gift is serving, use it. If your gift is teaching, use it. If your gift is prophesying, use it. He doesn't say, look at someone else and think about the gifts they have and wish you had their gifts. He says, be grateful for the gifts God has given you. Be grateful for the design, the way God has made you. Um, one of the great bowlers, there's a, there's a, there's a gentleman afterwards actually who's um, from Sri Lanka, I can't remember, but he was telling me a bit, bit about Malinga. But one of the great fast bowlers was Malinga. And they call him Malinga the Slinger because he was just not orthodox with his bowling action. Orthodox is nice and high, your arm right up, I can hear my bowling coach now, touching your ear and coming down. My son's got a classic kind of more bowling action. He's a much better bowler than I am. I, I say that here because he's not here, and he, or else he'll totally rub me for this. But um, the thing is, sling, milling of the slinger, he slings it. Now, the rule in cricket is you can't have a crooked arm, as long as it's a straight arm. So there's a lot of kind of debate about whether he's got a straight arm or not. But he slings it rather than having it right up here. But you know what? He might have a very unorthodox action, but he gets results. God made him that way. That's how he bowls. And you know, God, you might think, man, I am totally an unorthodox person, but who cares because God's looking for fruit in our lives. Don't, you know, you say, I'm not an unorthodox in terms of my giftings and my personality. It doesn't matter because God's still looking for fruit. And through your unorthodox action or your unorthodox design or gifting, God can still make you a fruitful person and for his kingdom. Albert Einstein... Um, one of my, my, my wife, <laughs> this is my wife's favorite quote, and I love it too, it is a great one. Albert Einstein said, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. The Bishop Arrhenius, who was a famous Greek bishop, and he said, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is a person fully alive, and we are only fully alive when we accept the gifts God has given us and we use them. And we say, God, the way you've wired me is the way you've wired me. Someone wrote in a Christmas card, I am involved in, for one of my clients, I do quite a bit of work, and one of the team that I work with quite closely, he wrote in his Christmas card to me this one line. He basically said, Simon, thank you for being you. Best wishes at Christmas, Julian. And I thought to myself afterwards, I'm not sure what he means by that, but I'll just run with it. But... Um, 
because it could be <laughs> mean a whole lot of things. But, um, but, you know, that's the thing. God wants us just to be ourselves and who we are. Unorthodox, but fruitful. Taking wickets. Taking wickets. Finally, keep your eye on the ball. What is true in life is also true in cricket. You know, great batsmen adhere to three core things. Great batsmen believe three things. When you're facing a ball, and you need to know three things. One, timing is everything. Because the ball is coming to you at about maybe 130k an hour. The, for, the quick, for the quick guys, maybe up to 140k, right? And you have to have timing. Secondly, patience is the virtue. Patience is the key virtue. Because the ball is coming on the wickets you need to perhaps block. If it's coming just wide, you play every ball on its merits. If it's a wide ball, you can smack it through the covers for four, whatever. But play every ball on its merits. Patience is core. And keep your eye on the ball. There's nothing like getting a ringer to the helmet because the ball is 130k. The guy's pitched it short. It smacks you in the head in the helmet. I went to the next the other day with my son. He bowls about 115k. He's quite, quite quick. And he bowls bounces at me. That's all he does. He just bowls short balls at my head all day. So I have six or seven balls, and then I unpad and go away. Um, payback, he says. So keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball means we take our eye off the ball when we think life is all about us. When we put our ba- ourselves back at the center of life, we take our eye off the ball. We keep our eye on the ball when we realize life is all about God because he is the alpha and the omega. I didn't say this in the first service, but there's a brilliant moment in the movie Titanic, an oldie but a goodie, but there's a moment when Leonardo DiCaprio, this poor guy that you know, makes a stowaway on the ship, he, makes, he gets onto the ship, and there's a moment when he talks to Rose, who is from a wealthy family, and she's asking about his philosophy of life, and he says, for me, life is a gift. Life is not a right. Life is not a right, life is a gift. To live life that way, God, it's a gift. I love what Paul says just before Romans chapter 12. In verses, um, chapter 11, verses 33 to 36, he talks about the grandness of God. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has ever been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? I love it. Verse 36, chapter 11. For from him and through him and for him are all things. God, let me never keep, let me never ever take my eye off the ball. The Westminster Catechism says this the chief end of man is to love God and enjoy Him forever. The chief end of man is to love God and enjoy Him forever. And we get distracted, don't we, by the daily realities of life. We get distracted. We take our eye off the ball. The ball is the spiritual reality around us. Life overwhelms us. We've got tasks and, and daily activities, but God, I pray that within the, all of that, that I wouldn't take my eye off the ball and lose sight of spiritual reality that is there. Because then something happens in life, right? We're consumed with life, and then suddenly there's a sudden change in our circumstances. You know, maybe a health issue appears on our radar, or maybe it's a significant change to our financial situation. We lose our job, or there's a family crisis. And you know, at that moment, the ball smacks us in the head. The spiritual reality. And we say, God, maybe. God, I just... And in those moments, sometimes we kind of say, God, perhaps I kept... I lost, I, I lost, sight, of, I lost sight of the ball. I lost sight of the spirituality. I thought life was all about what I'm doing day in, day out, and it was all about me. But God, help me to realize it's all about you. You're the alpha and the omega, and life... Is I'm just a steward of the gift of life that you've given me. I'm just a manager of this. I'm going to ask the band just to come up as I finish on this final story. 
The British novelist David Lodge was watching his own play on the evening of November 22nd, 1963. And the audience laughed because there's this actor in the play showed up for a job interview during the play with a transistor radio clutched to his ear. The actor sat down the radio and he turned it to an outside frequency, just a normal station, and the news and the commercials, they were running in the background. While the play carries on, suddenly there's an announcement on on the radio. Today, the American president, John F. Kennedy, has been assassinated. And you can hear this audible gasp across everyone in the audience just to hear that news. Um, The reality of the outside world had kind of shattered the artificial world of the theater production. And I think that happens in life, doesn't it? We kind of live life like we're in this play. And every now and then, the reality, the spirituality of the world that we're living in comes in and shatters our world. And something happens and we think, gosh, I took my eye off the ball. God, you, you're, you, yeah, God, I, I tuned up to Elam on Sunday mornings. I tuned up to church. I clipped the ticket. But to be honest, God, I don't have my eye on the ball. And I lost sight of that. And then something happens that brings us back to that, that reality of the spirituality that we live in. And my prayer for 2021 is to keep my eye on the ball, to not lose sight of spiritual reality, to not be so subconsumed by the daily things of life that God becomes something just kind of there in the background. Faith just becomes something that I do on Sunday. So I've talked a lot about different lessons I learned from my cricket coach, but I hope there's something in this sermon for everybody today. You know, today is just a neat session. That's what cricketers do to practice, but tomorrow is game day. So what lesson will you put into practice? Catches when matches, maybe you're saying, God, help me to do the basics. Well, maybe I'll just meditate on verses 9 to 21 and say, God, let that permeate through my life. There's so much in that giant Subway sandwich of goodness. Secondly, walk in with the bowler. Maybe it's saying, God, I've lost sight of your mercy. My mind is no longer, it's dull. It's no longer alert to your wonderful mercy. Thirdly, accepting your place in the batting order. Maybe it's just accepting who you are and using it, no matter your gifts, no matter how unorthodox you think you are. Or keep your eye on the ball, patience, timing, and not losing sight of spirituality. What lesson will you put into practice? I pray that for all of us today, let's just pray, Lord, I pray for all of us today, Lord, that you'd help us to put these lessons into practice in our own lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, that this wouldn't just be um, um, you know, a, a message for, for, the, for the person beside us or behind us, but I pray for all of us, Lord, that we'd be able to reflect on this and that it would bring fruit and change into all of our lives, that you'd bring one of these lessons home to us, speak to us through your wonderful word, we pray, Lord Jesus, amen. I can guarantee right now there is a whole bunch of cricket fans in the congregation who are like, that is the best message I've ever heard. Hands down. Friends, I'd love to pray one more prayer with you today. Can I invite everyone here just to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? And those online, join us with this too. Uh, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you have never made a decision to follow Him. Maybe you're here today and you're here because something in life has happened and that spiritual reality that you took your eye off the ball and man you're suddenly very aware of your need for God maybe you're here today and you came just for the express reason that I'm coming to church because I need to get my life right with God today maybe you've never made a decision to follow him or maybe you have before but you be honest and say Steve my life is far from God those online wherever you're watching us in from saying Steve that's me I, I need to get my life right with God today God's speaking to you God's calling you God's drawing you out The truth is, friends, that 
We all sin, we all mess up. We all fall short of God's standard. But God in His grace has sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. When He went to that cross, He took upon Himself everything that you and I would do for our sin. When He died on that cross, He took that payment. And He conquered death in the grave and He rose again to new life. And He extends to every single one of us today, not judgment, not condemnation. He extends to you grace. It's His free gift, free gift of grace. Forgiveness for your sin, your past, your guilt, your shame, forgiven. You get a brand new life. Begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God gets on the inside and makes you a brand new person. Get to walk into the plans that God has for you. God's got a gift on your life and God wants to use you to change this world. Then, friends, there's a great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. If you're here today and you're not right with God, but you want to be, if you're online and you're not right with God, you want to be, I want to invite you right now to pray a very simple prayer with me. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud, but you don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it with me in your heart. But when you pray it, I want you to mean it with everything you've got. Are you ready? Just say these words in your heart. Say this. Say, God, today, right here and right now, I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned, but I believe Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I ask you to come in and be the Lord of my life. Take control. I choose from this day and this moment to live for you. In Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and every head bowed and those online, if you prayed that prayer today, I'm so proud of you. I think this is the most amazing decision you could ever make. And here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you to take one little step of faith. If you're here in the room today and you prayed that prayer, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I want you to take a little step of faith. I want you to put your hand up nice and high when I get to three. Now, I'm not doing that to embarrass you or stand you up or call you out, nothing like that. All I'll do is I will see you, I'll acknowledge you, and you can put your hand straight back down. If you're online, there's a button coming up right now. It's saying, raise my hand. I raise my hand saying, yes to Jesus, click that button. Are you ready? Be bold, be brave. It's a little step of faith. On the count of three, one, two, three. Hands are nice and high right now saying, see, that's me. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Right down the back. Thank you right here to my right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, I see. Hey, well, if you prayed that prayer today, first of all, I want to say, man, we're so excited. We're so stoked uh, that you prayed that. Yep. God bless you. Fantastic. Yep. Down here to my right, right here in the middle. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Well, God, we thank you so much for those who've responded and said yes to you. God, I pray your blessing upon them. I thank you for those in the room and those online who've made this decision. I bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.